So, um, in 1971, Julien, and I'm not going to pronounce that surname, I can pronounce mine. Uh, 1971, Julien uh, graduated from high school in Lima, Peru. And in order to celebrate that, she jumped into a plane with her mother, and they were going to join their father in the Amazon jungle to celebrate together the Christmas uh, season. Half hour into the plane, half hour into the flight, a horrific storm came around. The plane was struck by lightning and fell into a nosedive. As the plane was falling, it started to disintegrate, and Julian found herself strapped to her seat outside of the plane, free falling three kilometers. Surprisingly, she survived to tell the story. All the other 91 passengers died. And you can watch the entire documentary. It's entitled uh, Wings of Hope. If you Google that one, you will find her entire story. Wings of Hope. Julianne, as she was strapped to her seat, free-falling three kilometers, she remembers, and this is what she wrote in her testimony, I was suspended in mid-air, still in my seat. The plane wasn't there anymore. How would you react to that? Hopefully no one is planning to fly this week. <laughs> she recounts that the last thing she saw as she was looking down was the dense Amazon jungle. And then she became unconscious. Obviously, she, she fell into the jungle. She survived the fall, but that was only the beginning of her journey. Hours later, when she woke up from the shock, she realized she had wounds and cuts over her body. She was still strapped to her seat. She had a seatbelt. And she realized that her only hope was to follow a stream of water that was going through the Amazon jungle. And she realized that going through the Amazon jungle, some of you, you've been there. That's exciting. Praise God for the ministry that is happening. But in her mind, saying the safest place for me to be is not on the ground, but rather in the water. And so she went day one, day two, day three. And you would think that by day four, she would see some form of help. But there was nothing. It was only on day, on day 10 when she saw a hut in some canoes, and Julianne realized that rescue was at hand. As I looked and I read this story of Julianne, not only surviving the fall, but managing to get out of that environment, I started to think of us as human beings. Because we have all fall short of the glory of God. We have fallen into sin. And we are bruised, and we are wounded, and we are wondering, are we going to survive this separation between us and God? Are we going to make it? Are we going to get out of this miserable jungle? Well, today I want to focus on God's relentless love. A love that pursues us, a love that seeks us, a love that helps us to survive the fall. And I believe that when we have a thorough understanding of God's relentless love for us, we will be able to survive the fall as well. 
So if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them with me in the Old Testament, in the book Kings. And we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 21, and we're going to read a number of verses from there. And we're going to look at a particular character from in the Bible, King Manasseh. It's not very often that uh, people study this uh, individual, but I'm personally fascinated by his life. And the first thing we're going to look at is basically the way King Manasseh traveled into the depths of sin. So 2 Kings chapter 21, and we're going to begin by looking at verses 1 and 2. So if you have a Bible, please follow with me as I'm going through these verses. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became a king. Anyone here 12 years old? Ah, uh, close. Anyone wishing there would be 12? Couple? So Manasseh was 12 years old when he became a king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Now, here's the question. Who was King Manasseh? Who was his father? King Hezekiah. Very good. And what do we know about King Hezekiah? He was a king, sorry? His life was extended. Why was his life extended? He prayed. He was too scared to die. His life was extended. He prayed. And his life was extended by how many years? Fifteen years. Isn't that amazing? Now, so here we have a father by the name of King Hezekiah who prays and God answers and his life is extended. You also have a mother. Her name was Hebzibah. Now, who was this lady? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us much about her, but the Jewish tradition tells us that she was the daughter of Isaiah the prophet. So Manasseh married Isaiah the prophet's daughter. Sorry, not Manasseh, King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah married Isaiah's daughter. So here we have Manasseh, a child, growing in an amazing environment, in a beautiful family. Hezekiah, a father that knows how to pray and God answers his prayer. A mother, she was the daughter of a prophet. Manasseh grew up in an amazing, spiritual, God-centered family. And yet, Manasseh wandered away. Not only that, but the Bible tells us that of all the kings in Judah, he was the worst of all of them. Not only he, he did the very things that God hated, but he led the entire nation into rebellion against God's law. That's why I like to say that Manasseh actually traveled into the depths of sin. So what did he do? Let's look at verses 4, for example. He built altars in the house of the Lord, which means he built altars where? In the temple, and those altars weren't for God. Of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem, I'll put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Also, he made his son pass through the fire. This king, Manasseh, that grew up in an amazing, godly, God-centered, spiritual family, this is what he did. He made his son pass through the fire. He practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, consulted spirits and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Growing up in an amazing family, and yet 
he ended up the worst of all. Is there someone in your family that has departed from the Lord? Is there a child, a brother, husband, wife, relative, friend, that maybe once they were exposed to what is right, and for some reason, they just went totally against it. And the question that sometimes we have is, is there still any hope for these people? Is God still pursuing them? Is God still seeking to bring them back? Will God do something about them? Do you know what the Bible says about Manasseh in a way to summarize his life, which is in verse 9? Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. In other words, what verse 9 tells us is this. Manasseh, not only he sinned and turned away from God, but he influenced people to do the wrong thing in their lives. I remember when I had some of my friends growing up in Romania. I grew up in Romania in Europe. And uh, I remember when some of my friends from church, I grew up in the Adventist church, they said, let's go into our grocery stores and learn how to steal chocolate bars. So we all agreed. Remember, I was influenced, and I accepted that. So we all agreed. We tried to hide those chocolate bars in our pockets. That was our first attempt, and it was the last one as well because they caught us as we were trying to exit, and we, that was the end of it. But you know what research says? That an introvert in his or her lifetime influences 20,000 people. An introvert, and imagine, because some of you are going to be extroverts here, you're going to influence so much more than that. The question is, what type of influence are you going to diffuse around you? Looking through the Bible and the way people were influenced, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25, we are told about King Ahab. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under what? The influence of his wife Jezebel. Now that doesn't excuse him. He did have a choice. But what I'd like to emphasize here is this. The influence that you may have upon other people and also the risk of others influencing you in departing from the Lord, or on the other hand, on a positive note, others influencing you on a positive way. Sadly, as we look at the life of Manasseh, he influenced the entire country to rebel against the Lord. And the Bible talks about this power of influencing people, and Jesus himself mentions this in Mark chapter 9, verse 42, where it says, If you... Cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better off for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. What does Jesus say about you influencing others to depart from the Lord? Is that a good idea? No. So here we have this King Manasseh. Stay with me in Second uh, Kings chapter 21. And look at me at verses 14 now. 14 to um, 16. Actually, sorry, let's start from 16. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much blood, sorry, very much innocent blood, till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Do you know what the Jewish tradition tells us? 
that King Manasseh was the one that killed prophet Isaiah, which means he killed his own grandfather. Why? Because he didn't like the message that his grandfather was bringing before him. What I'm trying to picture in this point is who Manasseh really was. The fact that he traveled into the depths of sin. He passed his own son through fire. He killed prophet Isaiah. He led the entire nation into idolatry. He did everything that was possible to turn away from God. And look the way it ends, verse 17. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, all that he did and the sin that he had committed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And if you were to stop here, you would think, and you would go away, what a wasted life. Because this would be the only report that you would know about King Manasseh. What a wasted life. Do you think God was still pursuing him? Do you think God still wanted to redeem him after he killed his very own prophet, prophet Isaiah? After he passed his own children through fire and filled Jerusalem with blood from one side to the other? Do you think God was still interested in redeeming this sinful king? Well, travel with me from the depths of sin to the heights of God's love in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Because that's what Kings tells us. The rest of the story is written in Chronicles. The book of Kings doesn't give us the entire story. There is something that happened in his life that is mentioned in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. And I'm going to read to you beginning with verse 10. 33, probably going to go verses 10 and 11. And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon the captains, brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze feathers, and carried him, carried him off to Babylon. What the story in Kings is, is not relating is that all throughout this time, God was still trying to speak to King Manasseh. He sent prophets. What happened to the prophets? They were killed. Now, God used another avenue to speak to King Manasseh. If you read in Hebrew, when it says that Manasseh was carried with hooks to Babylon, the idea is actually he had hooks in his nose. Back then, it wasn't popular. Things have changed since then. But he was carried like this to Babylon. He was no longer king. He was a prisoner in Babylon. And why do you think God allowed this? Because God was trying to get his attention. And look what happened to Manasseh in prison. Verses 12 in Second Chronicles chapter 33. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God... He humbled himself greatly before the God of his father. And look what this wicked king did in the prison. Verse 13. He prayed to him. Meaning he prayed to God. He received his entreaty, heard his supplication, brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Do you know what this passage tells me? 
that God is going to use whatever He has available in His hands to bring you back to Him. That if you have children, parents, husband, wife, relatives, neighbors, He's going to use every single avenue that He has in order to bring them back. He's not going to give up on them. And today as a church, I pray that we will go from here encouraged and reminded that God's relentless love will pursue people. Despite the fact that King Manasseh killed the prophet Isaiah, God was still interested in saving and redeeming this wicked king. And while he was in prison in Babylon, the Bible tells us that he prayed. And God not only forgave this king, but allowed him to be set free and return to Jerusalem and be king again. Isn't God's love amazing? To be extended to such a wicked king? And what we find here is that he repented of his sins. In the Bible, in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 37, we are told by Jesus, The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. In that prison, when Manasseh reached out to God, God did not reject him, did not push him away. On the contrary, he welcomed him. C.S. Lewis, in the book Mere Christianity, wrote the following. The great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and go, he is referring to God's, God's love. God's love for us does not. It is not wearied by our sins or our indifference. And therefore, it is quite relentless in its determination that we shall be cured of those sins at whatever cost to us, at whatever cost to Him. God is relentless not only in saving us, but in saving those that are not here yet. But one day they will be. Why? Because God's love is still pursuing them, despite everything they have done. In response to God's love that he received in prison, verse 13 ends, Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. And verse 13 tells us that Manasseh actually repented. Can someone share with me what is true repentance? How would you define repentance? What would you say about repentance? Is feeling sorry for sin? Anything else? And turning away? Exactly. Turning away. Probably the most complex definition of repentance is found in the book Steps to Christ, where Ellen White writes, Repentance includes sorrow for sin, and also turning away from it. And sometimes we forget the second part. But I want to bring to your attention is that when God invites us to repent, it's not like, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. But God is willing to put within our hearts a desire not to go through the same process again, not to do the same things again that are wrong. We shall not renounce sin unless we see its sinfulness. Until we turn away from it in heart, there will be no real change. So we know that Manasseh, he prayed in the prison. He said, I'm sorry. God forgave him. Question is, did Manasseh really 
change? Was there evidence that Manasseh really changed? As we finish this morning, I want to draw your attention to 2 Chronicles 33, verses 15 to 16. Because true repentance is always followed by actions. Showing that the work that is, God is doing within us will be seen on the outside. Verses 15 to 16. Manasseh took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord. He was the one that placed them there. And he is the one that is removing them. Because he's experienced what? True repentance. And all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, he cast them out of the city. Verse 16. He also repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and commanded Judah to do what? To serve the Lord God of Israel. A number of years prior to this, he influenced the entire uh, region to rebel against God. But now because he went through his conversion experience, he experienced true repentance, he was leading the entire nation back to God. And it was all because he answered God's call to repent. Janelle Guzman was dreaming of a life that wasn't offered probably by her husband and daughter at home. So Janelle decided to abandon her husband, abandon her daughter, and run off to the shiny lights of New York. Where? Because she was a smart cookie, ended up with a very good job. And one day, to be more precise, on September 11, 2001, Janelle was settling into her new office on the 64th floor of the Northern Tower of the World Trade Center. She was arranging everything in the office when the hijacked plane actually struck the building. The alarm went off in the building and she started to run down the stairs. Imagine she was on level 64, plenty of stairs to go down to. As she's recalling in the, in the book, Angel in the Rubble, she had only a couple of floors left to go when the entire building collapsed and what seemed to her collapsed on top of her. She survived the shock and the collapse of the building. I'm not sure how, but it happened. She was trapped, she was injured, she was surrounded by darkness and she was all alone. And when you are trapped, injured and in darkness, you have a lot of time to think about your life. You have a lot of time in your hands to think about your choices. And she started to think about her husband that she abandoned. She started to think about her daughter that she abandoned. But in the midst of that darkness, while her body was broken and bruised, she started to think of her God, a God that she had abandoned. And she acknowledged that she chose to drink from the waters of sin. As she was there trapped for many, many hours, she wrestled with doubts. You know what was the biggest doubt as she retells it? Will God ever have me back? Will God ever have me back? 
And this is one of the most common doubts that keeps people away from truly returning back to God after everything they've done. And the reason why I've shared the story of Manasseh with you, the most wicked king in the Bible, God was still pursuing to redeem. That you may have hope and confidence that God will pursue whoever you may have in your life that may not be walking with the Lord today. And as Janelle was wrestling with her doubts, she eventually found hope in her heart to submit to God. And she said, even if I don't make it out of here, Lord, I give my life to you. Even if I don't make it out of here. I'm not sure if you remember, but Janelle, after 27 hours, was rescued from the rubble. And she was the last survivor to be pulled out from that rubble. She reckons in interviews and in the book, it was the angel of the Lord that sustained me and sustained my life in the midst of that chaos. What I'm sharing with you, church, today is that if you have traveled to the depths of sin, I want to remind you today about the heights of God's love, a love that is calling you back. And what God desires from us is that we may truly experience repentance, and that is not only sorrow for sin, but a sorrow that helps us to turn away from that sin completely. To allow God to create within us a new heart and to put within us a new spirit. So what's the message from Manasseh's life? Well, if God loved a man like Manasseh, let me tell you this. God definitely loves you too. If God heard and answered Manasseh's desperate prayers... God will definitely hear and answer your prayers. If God forgave a wicked king like Manasseh, God is more willing than anything to forgive you and to forgive those within your family of their sins. And if God was patient with Manasseh, he will definitely be patient with you too. And if you read Matthew chapter 1, you will discover that Manasseh, this wicked king that repented, ended up being part of Jesus' genealogy. And while we may not be part of his genealogy, God wants you to be part of his family. So my appeal to you is this, that when you have reached the depths of sin, don't doubt, but respond to God's love and allow him to fully transform your heart, now and forever. Amen.